2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Don't forget about our good friends at The Warehouse. Tom, has been calling in all show. He's going to jump in with us tomorrow as well, breaking down great deals. He's live today from the Orem location. Don't miss all those great calls. They're always fantastic and uh, full of savings. It's The Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem, 1967 South 300 West in uh, Salt Lake City. We're going to talk to Mike Snar coming up here momentarily. Uh Mike uh, has written a, a book about the jazz. And so we're going to talk to Mike in a second. I know, but your microphone's on there, Austin. We can hear you. Yeah. So yeah, we've I got that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah, good. Just in our ears, okay. not on air. That's okay. a good thing, considering what he said. I was trying to, I was trying to keep my eye on the ball and and tease our guest, but I was getting a little. That was getting a little difficult. But anyway, Mike has written a book, Long Shots and Layups, uh, Memories and Stories from the Golden Era of the Utah Jazz. Mike spent 28 years uh, with the franchise. and In fact, let's uh, get out to the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Again, that book title, Long Shots and Layups, Memories and Stories from the Golden Era of the Utah Jazz. Joining us now, author of that book, Uh, he is Mike Snar with us here on the big show. Mike, how are you? I'm good. Good to be with you. Uh great to have you on the show. Uh you spent 28 years with the Utah Jazz and you uh put together all your memories and uh and stories. It had to be a real fun project for you to do.
1: It was a great project. It uh, uh it really just started out as a, a memoir for my kids about uh, uh my career the, the the front office side of things and as I started to write it, I all these memories came back of what the team did and, and um, things I'd seen or heard. And uh, and so I added that in and sent it to a couple people, and they said, you ought to publish this. So, so I did. So the question becomes, well, first of
0: all, people love stories. You know, they <laughs> love the anecdotes. <laughs> What what do you have in there, Mike? Give us some, one example of something good, a nice nugget
1: that people will whet their appetite and they oh, be eager to I got to buy I've, I've got read it. Well, I've got so many stories that uh um that are that I think are pretty interesting and and that people don't know. Um I went to work for him in nineteen eighty six and I always joked that uh Del Curry and I were hired by the Jazz the same year. We just didn't uh, work in the same department. But um, in the front office, I just saw so many things happen that uh, were—I I just thought sort of telling about the organization and how we were structured and the commitment to winning. A quick story, um, uh, and I've told this, but uh, it's um, John and Carl and the team are back in uh, in October for—I'm uh, not sure what year this was, but. Uh, and Jerry, Jerry Sloan is the one that told me the story. They're back. The team's together. They're having their, one of their first workouts. <clears throat> and um, uh, John and Carl are competing so hard in the, in, the, uh, in the practice that Jerry stops practice and says, Hey, you guys, come on. I don't want anybody to get hurt. We're just, we're just starting. I mean, imagine Jerry saying, Hey, uh, slow down a little. So he actually benches John and Carl and continues with the practice with them out of the practice. So a few minutes later, he looks over, and John and Carl are on the stationary bikes riding. So he says, that's okay. You know, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to see that. A little, bit, a little bit later, he looks over, and the two of them are competing so hard that John is looking at uh, Carl's screen and vice versa, and they're he's dialing up the, the, the speed and the, and the intensity of the workout. And finally, Jerry has to stop practice again. And uh, tell them to hit the showers. So uh, um, there, there are two uh, players that actually got thrown out of practice <laughs> by their coach for the wrong, for the right reasons. You know, <laughs> so um, lots of things happen like that.
2: Uh, Mike, talk about the growth of, of not only the Jazz, but the NBA. You mentioned when you uh, started with the with the franchise and Larry Miller, when he initially bought it, I, I believe the price tag was somewhere around $17 million. And the franchise mm-hmm. today is worth north of a billion dollars. And the NBA has <laughs> obviously exploded. And you were right there on the front lines for all of that growth. Talk about the, the growth and evolution of the franchise in the league.
1: Well, uh it was interesting to watch and, and then to be part of it because I remember when the team came to town in 1979 I wasn't with the team I wasn't working for them but um it was you know it was so exciting to go to games and there were 4 5 6,000 people at the first games and uh the team struggled and of course there's the famous Dominic uh, Wilkins uh, draft choice and the 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 exchange for about a million dollars to to keep the team here. And then slowly, um, the fans started to rally. And I remember, uh, David Stern said, "You'll never make it. The team, the, the, the franchise, won't last in Utah, with uh, four colleges nearby and you know a small population." And it was just a great tribute to the fans to see uh, the fan or to the team and and the community to see them rally around everything. And then um, it was great to, to see how Larry just hung in there and just. Uh, um, battled it and uh, eventually got the arena deal, and I mean it was just uh, it's an incredible story. And and uh, I remember when I first worked for him, there were rumors that hey, the, uh, you know Larry's got an offer from Minnesota, and I, and I don't know how substantive substantive that was, but uh, uh, it never happened. You know I think Larry felt like he was committed to the community, and and he uh, he stayed the course. So um, and then, and then it was just kind of fun to watch things start to happen team starts to make the playoffs, and then we we draft Thurl, I think, in 83, and John in 84, and Carl in 85, uh, and all of a sudden, we're, uh, we're, we're the real deal. You mentioned the arena.
0: Jake and I were talking about this earlier in the show, the importance of having that building built uh what what did you observe with how important that was to anchor the
1: franchise here well, we wouldn't be here if that if they hadn't i i think Larry knew that he had to build the building or you know, we couldn't survive in the in the, in the salt palace with twelve thousand seats and uh, that was one of the things that stern was was very uh pointed about you you know you just can't you can't play in front of twelve thousand fans we're going to be we're going to be much bigger than that you you've got to be part of this so i think uh Larry knew he had to do it. And uh, all the work that, that went into getting it done, getting the city involved, and getting approval was uh, was pretty uh, gigantic. I I started working for them when they were in the Salt Palace, and you know what a what a drastic change. And it was it was great in the Salt Palace. We, were, we eventually got to twelve thousand uh, people, and it was it was full, and and uh, it was fun. But it wasn't anything like uh, moving into the arena. That was that was a good day. That was a good day for Utah. With no
2: sports, Mike Mike Snar is with us here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty The Zone. It's it's been interesting to see what the sports community latches onto, and one of those things, of course, is the Last Dance uh, docu series about Michael Jordan and that final year there with the Bulls. And as we know, the Jazz are going to play a big part uh, in this whole story. Your thoughts on that docu series if you're watching it, and uh, you know that finals, the Jazz, the Bulls for year number two.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, um I've got some time, so uh, I am watching it pretty intently <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it's uh it's really uh fascinating i I think and you you guys mentioned uh, uh, maybe earlier in the week about how Jordan's sort of orchestrating it and he's you know the the documentary and he's had a big hand in how it looks, and I think that's true, but I also think things have come out that maybe he wasn't planning on uh, some of the some of the stories and some of the uh, Uh, backstories that have come from other players about what's happened I I read a story uh, today about um, Horace Grant how uh, how uh, Jordan wouldn't let him have uh, dinner on on the plane after after one of the games that he didn't play well and he said "Hey, he doesn't deserve dinner don't serve him dinner you know I'm not sure Jordan wanted all of that on the table but um, I think it's a fascinating series And, and you're right it's just a it's it's I'm, I can't wait for those final two episodes about the, the 97 98 finals, particularly the 98 finals. That'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, Jordan's take on that. It's
0: apparent in
1: watching that,
0: and those of us who live through that period of time, we we know it already. But it's a reminder that the game has changed. That the physicality of the game is different these days. Has that affected the competitiveness in the league? Because, you see, we always talk about how after the game you see guys over there exchanging jerseys and patting each other Mm -hmm. and and, and being all friendly and fraternizing and all that stuff. Is the competitive level what it was back in the 90s?
1: Um, I think it is, but in a different way. I think it is more of a – I don't know how you say this, a gentleman's game, but, but boy, you still see um, (laughs) – See the fire uh, and and uh, the intensity in a, in a playoff series. I I was really looking forward to uh, uh, if it lined up that way. OKC and, and the Jazz. I mean that's been a, a fascinating uh, series with Donovan and Rudy and all the guys. I, those have been great games and intense and you know some some uh, uh, real physicality. But it was different uh, in that era and uh, players could do so much to um, um, really, uh, they got away with so much. and I mean, I just, uh, I, I don't know that they could ever match that intensity again. And, and uh, it, it got nasty. I mean, it really got nasty. I think the league's trying to prevent that or control it a little bit. But that nastiness, uh, uh, you see that in the rivalries. You, you know, I, I mean, the first thing I think of is, Carl's uh, shot uh, Isaiah Thomas in the lane that night uh, when they when we played the Pistons and and they think about some of the other uh, physical moments uh, it was it was a different era and it was highly competitive.
2: What do you think made Larry Miller such a good sports owner?
1: Um, uh, you know what, Larry was as competitive as <laughs> as anybody. Uh, you know, like Jordan, like Stockton, like Malone. And, and he was so competitive. He, um, he, <laughs> he was right there, you know, and I think just, he, I, I'm not sure how much he, um, he watched the jazz before he got involved, but once, once he got involved, he was hooked and he, you know, he was a great softball player and, and, uh, very competitive guy. So he was right there with him. Um, you know, and I don't want to really bring this up, but, of course, the the story that, that happened when uh, uh, Larry choked the Denver fan. You know, that, that, how competitive is that? You know, <laughs> when you, when you do that, that, you're in it to win. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had the occasion
0: uh, of uh, sitting next to Larry during a game on one night. And I'm telling you what, I, I got an education about his compet- competitiveness. Oh. On he, that occasion, I mean, yeah. didn't even I didn't really talk to him much because he was so freaking into it, <laughs> and uh, and I walked away with more respect. Even I always yeah. respected Larry, but man, he he his care factor was off the charts. Speaking of that, let me ask you about the culture of the Jazz. The, people talk a lot about culture on a team on a franchise. Have you noticed any difference? What was it like? Back in the day of Jerry Sloan and and Carl and John, versus the way it is now with with Quinn and and uh, Donovan and Rudy, uh, is it the
1: same? Is it different? Uh, what, what do you note there? That's a, that's a great question. I think it's pretty close. I think it. I think the culture has always been sort of a unique thing in sports. Um, there is a spirit of teamwork. I think that is that that emanates from the top down and it involves all the jazz front office and the team. Um, you know, there's, there's just a competitiveness, but there's, but there's also a real love for the game and a, and a respect for each other. Um, I think, uh, you know, Jerry was, was fantastic. Um, but, but, um, Quinn's right there, you, you know, I'll give you a quick example of the culture. Uh, in shoot-arounds, I used to take clients once in a while into a shoot-around and it was really interesting to watch the Jazz. The Jazz always came into the shoot-around, shoes laced up, jerseys tucked in and, you know, a shoot-around isn't a full-born practice, as you know maybe listeners don't know that, but it's a game day kind of an an event so they don't want to beat the players up, they want them to be ready for that night, so they run through plays and practice shots and all that so it's, it's a little bit loose, but same time, Jerry had it really buttoned up, and then they would run all the, the plays of the opposing team. Well, um, I've seen other teams do shoot-arounds. So I saw Detroit do a shoot-around in our arena, and that day, Chuck Daly brought his team in, and um, Vinny uh, Johnson, I think, Vinny the Microwave, wasn't it Vinny Johnson that yeah. uh, played for them? He wore uh, cut-off Levi's and a pair of cowboy boots, and um, so that showed you how serious they were about practicing. And uh, they spent about 10 minutes on the court, and then Chuck got them back in the bus and they left. Uh, So there was just that sort of, there was a cultural feeling there that that I don't know how many teams uh, emanate that uh, or emulate that. But um, uh, I had a chance before I retired to watch uh, Quinn run a, a shoot around. And I tell you, it was pretty close. Uh, Intensity-wise, uh, uh, Quinn was right there. Quinn actually um, uh, put a shot clock on the, on the uh, wall of the uh, practice of the Zions Bank Basketball Center, and he um, started running that 30 minutes before. And you probably know this, 30 minutes before the, the practice started. When that thing hit zero, boy, everybody was on the court and they were ready to go, and Jerry kind of ran the same kind of um, uh, feel. With uh, shoot-arounds. so um, it was a it was a culture that I think um, is still there.
2: All right, the book is Long Shots and Layups: Memories and Stories from the Golden Era of the Utah Jazz. He is our friend Mike Snar with us here on the Big Show, and Mike, absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you back again soon. I'd
1: love to do it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, Mike. Mike Snar, that's fun, Gordon. It's it's fun. You know, getting some of those uh, those stories, those memories, and observations from somebody who was on the inside for all those years.
0: I like the comparisons between the way it was and the way it is, and it's 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 interesting to hear him say that it's quite similar, actually. And I think that's a compliment.
2: In some ways, in some ways, it's got to be really different, just for like staff size alone. I mean, you know what? It was uh, Coach Chiesa, Jerry, Phil.
0: The bus is more crowded
2: now. <laughs> yeah, there's so many assistants and so many, you know, uh, uh, trainers and and uh, scouts and and uh, all those sorts of things. So, who well, knows? Th- A little different.
0: Maybe that's uh, why the Jazz are able to develop some of the players the way they have. That they have guys who are working one-on-one with them, helping them, uh, you know, uh, get, 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 get better and better. As time goes by, I think that's probably a pretty solid investment.
2: Austin tweeted out a link, by the way, to the book if you want to purchase it. Maybe there's a jazz fan mom out there for Mother's Day. Or maybe you'd be interested as well, but uh, we did retweet that. Uh, You can follow Austin at Austin Horton.